this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Shell Shock. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the first episode of Shell Shock, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to talk about all things turtles, comics, cartoons, and everything in between, movies, all that stuff. Uh, I'm not Sneaky, but you may have heard of me on the internet as Kuhan. And joining me on this, the first episode, is, of course, Andrew Modine, the writer of a few comics, the Ninja Turtles 24 and 25, which bridges the gap between the Image and Mirage comics, and the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Odyssey. How's it going, Andrew? Very good, very good, very good to be here. Also joining us is Isaac Elliott Fisher, the creator of the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles documentary. How's it going, Isaac? It's going great. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I am, I am one of the uh, four uh, masterminds behind the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles documentary, otherwise known as Turtle Power, the definitive history of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I, I brought the idea towards a couple of producers I know, and uh, here we are four years later and uh, still going strong. Also, here's Colton Clayton who reads comics. He doesn't actually do things. He just comes here and says words. I'm a leech. Yay! But we can always count on him. We can always count on him to be here and say words. And Karen Bing, who is a woman. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the only credential I've, <laughs> I've got at this point. Well, and, and the having hugged Rob Paulson. He's a, he's a guy. I have, I have Rob, hugged Rob Paulson. This so there it is. There it is. This episode, we're going to be talking to Kevin Eastman, the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, and we have a great conversation with him. I don't, I don't want to say too much before we talk about it, so let's just, let's just get right on into it. So now we have Kevin Eastman on the line. How's it going, Kevin? It's going great, actually. Thanks very much. It's, um, it's, a, it is actually a beautiful day, and um, doing some work, playing with some kids, um, playing with my dogs, and, and um, talking to you all, which is awesome. It's great, yeah. So, um, so obviously you, you know you know Isaac and Andrew, and you don't know me. I, I'm I'm Nime, and also we have Colton on the line. Hello. And Karen, hey. are you if you can you know Karen? I don't know how you people know each other. Um, we we have met a couple times. He actually kind of got me a little bit into trouble at Dragon Con this year. I went by his table to say hello, and he said Karen, and gave me a hug in the. 15 fanboys with long boxes full of stuff to be signed, like, gave me the dirtiest looks ever. Yeah, and I think I was it like, was. A... Bring it. <laughs> I could, I could take Bring it. it. I've, been, I've been working out. I've been spinning. No, um, I'm ready to take, take you guys on. No, no, you know, actually, I cannot wait for Dragon Con again next year. I actually had a really great time. I'm so glad I went back to that show. Actually, honestly, it's been... You know, thanks to you know all the awesome folks at IDW and 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 the really exciting and fun stuff we've been doing with the new series and and getting back out there and going to places like DragonCon, which I haven't been in um, you know goodness you know 12, 13 years, and even I went to you know I was up in Boston earlier this year, which I hadn't been in a long time, and that was um, absolutely fantastic. It's been um, you know re re-energizing, re reinvigorating. Um, it's sort of very inspirational, very emotional, very very cool across the board. It's great to you, know, you get such wonderful energy from you guys, especially the, the the turtle fans seem to be the the old guard I like to call them the the, the classic super fans that I think um, give me the most love, and that's awesome. Let's start off with uh, with the first question from uh, from Isaac. So Kevin, uh, you and I have done a few of these interviews before, 
So I've asked you many of these questions. So I'm trying to think of a question that I hadn't asked you yet. And um, in, in, so to give the little backstory, we are creating this giant documentary, as everybody knows. And uh, one of these amazing little tidbits of um, memorabilia or archive material that we brought out, uh, of uh, thanks to Kevin, actually, which is footage that Peter shot that Kevin had in the vault, and we all kind of are able to share it. And we can say that out loud now. We can tell people that we have it to share because Peter is kind enough to let us use it, um, which is awesome. Which is awesome. And, yes, very awesome. And uh, one of the amazing things is back in the day, which a lot of people don't realize, obviously, because this is all never-before-seen stuff, is, is you and Peter captured some of the pivotal moments in the turtle history on videotape, which is like, okay, everybody says that. Everybody says, I wish I had a camera when, when we were there. Um, so in the documentary, because we did our interviews in different times and we didn't have that when we were doing your interview, we didn't know to ask you about these types of things. So Ryan Brown tells the story quite nicely and eloquently about the night that you guys received the phone call from um, Mark Friedman to say that the toy deal was picked up. So I was wondering if you remember that evening and if you can tell the world about what that was like to, to go from the mirage that you were with all the gang to the mirage that it became in that night in the champagne party and all that jazz? Well, it's, it, for us, it's a great question. And what's, what's super cool, it's, it's, it's great that Peter's, um, you know, because you have my permission, obviously, but it's great Peter's going to let a lot of that footage be seen because I do think, thanks to Peter also, is that he was the one that lugged around that video camera, uh, especially in the early days, and, and was adamant, you know, that's why he's Donatello, that's why he's the techno geeky, he's, you know, the Casio calculate a watch and the camera, and he captured a lot of moments that I think would have been lost otherwise, so it's fantastic that he did that. Um, and, uh, uh, and, I, and I can't actually, and to digress a bit more, I can't wait till the, the documentary gets, um, you know, fine-tuned and, and out there for the world to see. It should be nothing short of a 16-part miniseries um, that should run for years on, no, anyway. Um, the night that... Um, you know, as I think about this a lot, and I've been actually talking about this a lot because I've been doing a lot of promotion with the new um, um, wonderful folks at uh, Nickelodeon with the new animated series and stuff. And, and so a lot of people do ask, like, you know, do you remember when? Do you remember this time? And, and that kind of stuff, which is cool. And it, it, it does come back to the same thing is that I think even when Peter and I were doing a lot of this stuff, you know, making the trips out to Playmates, doing the – the toy designs, the concepts, working on the scripts for the animated movie, uh, animated cartoon shows, especially in, in the very early days, like we're, you're referencing. Um, we never, we thought it was super cool, but we never thought it would actually happen. It just seemed like, uh, you know, this is really great, and it's really, it's really a great experience to go through. But we don't think we'll actually ever see a toy on a shelf. We don't actually ever think that once they, and if they get onto a shelf, that anybody will ever buy them. It was sort of the same, you know. Uh, you know, theory, I guess, that we had back when we put out the first issue. It's why, you know, when the boxes of books came back from the printer up in Dover, New Hampshire, that we actually made, you know, furniture out of them. We put made, you know, coffee table out of, you know, a bunch of boxes of number ones and stacked some other in the corner and used them kind of as a bookcase because we didn't think it would ever sell them. So going through that whole process, um, we really, you know, it was just such a fantastic adventure, but we never thought it would uh, um, uh, actually happen. But then, you know, like you said, when they got picked up by, by Playmates and they said they were, you know, were going to green light the toys and the toys going to go out there, it was a, you know, an exciting moment because it started to become real um, and it started to become, um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, again, a real thing. But 
I tell you, I always tell in my favorite story talking about when the toys first came out is um, is uh, when they in uh, June ish, um, June July of 1988. Um, the toys were out. We heard that you know KB Toy Stores was a big toy store in our area. Um, actually, at that time, it was a pretty big chain at that time. The closest one was down in Springfield. So when we heard the toys were on the shelves, Peter and I took a ride down to Springfield. We wanted to see them in the store. And as we were walking down the, the aisle to the action figure section of KB, this mother is, is dragging this child out of the out of the same action figure aisle. And the kid's pitching a fit, and the mother saying essentially, "No, I'm no, I'm not buying you one of those stupid Ninja Turtles." Um, and that to me was a more real moment um, because we were not only get to see the toys on the shelves, but we heard some parent for the first time going, no, I'm not buying you a stupid Ninja Turtle, and the kid freaking out because he wanted to and had to have it like, you know, we probably were when we were kids. So, um, But, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's kind of a um, uh, bipolar experience. You know, you, you know, the whole thing is be excited that it's happening, but you don't believe it's going to happen, and, and, and here you are right in the middle of it, you know, so. And it turns out that kid was Andrew the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, look what, and look what it's done to him. What a fine up man he's become. But it, it was that was a, it was a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat moment. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a like a neat experience. Surreal. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely because because like there is the moment of seeing like this is my thing in the store, but then the moment of seeing like. This is a kid who actually wants to buy it. It's not just going to sit there collecting dust, uh, or maybe yeah. it is because the parents won't let the kids buy it. But no, it's it's so true because you know we you know we were big geeks. You know we love toys and we love we love comic books. We love toys and that you know back in those days, um, you know I mean we were still climbing around the the the, the discount bins at KB Toys looking for old you know, TIE fighters and, you know, X-Wing fighters and things like that to decorate the studio with or, you know, leftover toys. And we just figured, you know, our toy, if it came out, you know, maybe we'll get a couple months, maybe we'll get a, a year and it'll be in the discount bins. But, you know, um, that, I guess, is probably another big reflection I always have is sort of when I, our, our agent, Mark Friedman, who really, you know, was the mastermind behind putting a lot of this stuff together in the early days was, um, you know, he said, look, you know, every every penny we make or everything we do, you know, save your money for a rainy day because, you know, if this works the way it typically works, you'll have a, you know, what you call a launch year, well, the year that it's introduced, and, you know, you maybe make a little bit of money. You have a year that uh, it's successful, as they call the, you know, the boom year, which is the next year. But by year three, you're typically in the discount bins and, and, and the show's over. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, we would – you know, that's, you know, 87 between, you know, Christmas and New Year's, 1987, 88, the first, you know, the cartoon show came out then. In 88, summer of 88, the first toys came out. You know, by 93, 94, people were still, you know, you you guys were still buying turtle stuff was, you know, it gets really, was pretty pretty incredible to think about it. And it's funny, and actually, Another thing that comes up a lot at um, some recent signings and stuff I've been doing is some of the press I've been doing is pretty funny is that in the early days, um, you know, when people would come to signings, it would be, you know, a younger person coming to get autographs of, you know, comics or something like that, and usually a very kind of pissed off looking parent behind them. And you could just see by the look on this parent's face is that they had trouble putting together that blimp that never really worked well and the turtle sewer playset that all the turtles, <laughs> the pieces didn't fit very well and that they spent small fortunes on turtle product. Um, and, uh, and that was sort of like, you know, so you get the ticked off parent and the, and the happy kid. But now 
what's different is that most of the time it's a parent that grew up with the turtle, so that's that kid that, you know, was the excited kid back in the days, and now they're with his own kids, and so they're both pretty happy to be there, and that's that's kind of a cool thing. Um, but, you know, with 30 years, it's like, you know, uh, we've been doing this, which reminds me I have to go change my Depends now, but, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, man, you know, almost 30 years, next 2014, right? 30 years, man. Wow. Which is why it really will be a 14-part saga to tell that story in film. You know, I say we'll, we'll do that. We can uh, when 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 we'll, we'll run it before the you know in spring before Michael Bay before the um, the new turtle movie comes out in 2014. <laughs> yeah, I only hope, man. I only hope. Hey, well, yeah. you know, actually, I'll tell you right now um, to jump the gun is that I was there. I was in LA uh, meeting with Jason Reed and, and some of the guys um, on the project, and um, you guys are going to be blown away. I've seen. You know, it got uploaded, you know, the latest writing details. I got uploaded on some of the um, the visual stuff that they're doing, and it's absolutely awesome. It's absolutely awesome, and that's all I'm going to say. It's, you know, and I, you know, am I going to lie to you guys? <laughs> you know, um, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. So, and, uh, you know, look what, look what Brother Ciro is doing. I mean, you guys are following the new series. What do you think? Yes. The cartoon or the comic? I watched it this morning. The yep. cartoon. You, you, Zero, Neely. Yeah, the cartoon. You have to be specific. Cartoon. There's a lot of turtle stuff. <laughs> well, he said That's Zero, true, Zero, Neely is, is the producer of the new cartoon, which is why I understood what he meant. Clearly, I'm you guys didn't care about the show. Oh, someone oh, studied. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually, I actually listened to Talking Tunes, and he was on the episode. That's what happened. Well, you know what's cool is that you know what Zero has done, and what you know what I think is fantastic about both the the comic series, which again is I think uh, um, thanks to to so many so many fans that have come back around because um, it really is it's not you're not having scads of new people coming you know rushing to the local comic shop to buy the new series. It's mostly the old guard and the and the classic turtle fan that have you know reengaged with the IDW series and they like some of the stuff that um, that, that Tom and I've done, and I you know. I always say Tom first because it's really most of the genius in that series is Tom. Um, uh, and, of course, Dan Duncan, who I just adore. He's fantastic as an artist. Anyway, I, I just love the whole IDW series. But then uh, what's cool and what's similar about both the comic series and, and what Ciro has done with the new animated series is Ciro also was a child of the turtles and that, you know, would drag his mother to see, you know, the, the turtle ECS. I remember make, forcing my mother to take me like two or three times to see Turtles number two when it came out in the theater and, you know, go to the comic store and he bought all the comics and that stuff. And when you, you know, I'd walk through the offices over at Nickelodeon, you know, especially Ciro's main, main posse is, uh, in their area is all the, all, along all the walls are all the classic, you know, Eastman and Laird uh, comic book covers. The, 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 the old stuff is there very, very, um, present. And then what Ciro's goal was to sort of take his favorite bits out of, you know, the original Turtle series, Tales of the Turtles, uh, the Archie series that, you know, Micheroni and, 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 and Steve Murphy and Ryan Brown and those guys did sort of take the best of his favorite bits and sort of roll it all into uh, the new concept of um, of the show. But do this reinvention where, you know, starting again at age 15, the first time above ground, and I just think it is a riot. I think that the, the voices are spot on. I think the action, especially the emoticons, which I'm a big, huge, you know, an anime nut. I love that stuff. Uh, Fooly Cooly and, you know, all, it just seemed really, I just love that kind of, all those isms. But I think it's very fast-paced and it's very, very, very funny. And then 
that much like the comic series is Tom is drawing on a number of different um, inspirations from the original comics in tone and in sort of attitude, and then you know his favorite bits of um, the animated series, you know the Technodrome being redone and Baxter Stockman and stuff. So we're it's almost you know these guys that grew up reading this stuff are now kind of living their dream a little bit, and then uh, but you know kind of making their own, staking their own territory in the Turtles, and and that's um, and that's pretty cool. And you know the, all that, and then you guys coming back and and digging it, which has been you know is, is the icing on the cake for me. Did everybody see the episode today? Did anybody else see it? I did. I don't have Nickelodeon. That was way, wicked cool, uh, wicked cool uh, um, Easter eggs in that episode. There was some good nods, just like Kevin saying right there. So, I love that. It's just obviously it's it's there for for the hardcore fans, and I, I think the, the new kids will will get a kick out of it because the I think the writing is is, is absolutely spot on. Uh, now we Thanks. have we no, have uh, you you're, t- you're talking about uh, some of the some of the younger stuff. We have Colton here who who didn't read the comics when you were a kid, right? But you you watched the the show, the cartoon when you were little. Uh, actually, I didn't even watch that because that was before my time as well. I started with the movies. He started with oh, he started with the movies. So that's that's even oh, a, another another level. Uh, and then and then now you've gotten the comics. I personally, I I watched some tapes of the show that my brother got because I'm I'm only 18 years old. My brother is is seven years older than me, so he was into the cartoon way when he like way big when he was a kid. That was the that was when it was a boom. Uh, so he was way into the show. So I still have a bunch of his old toys and and uh, some of his old tapes of of the show. Uh, and that's that's how I got into it, but but yeah, Colton got into it through the movies and is now reading the comics. So that's that's yeah. A, yeah, yeah. I was, I was I'm, I'm only 24, so I was still far too young to watch the cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my goodness, yeah, that's that's awesome. But it, you know, that's what you know, it, it is kind of really fantastic. Is that you know, you know, we've had I always do ask you know like again doing some of these signings and that kind of stuff. You know, how did you? What's your favorite turtle? You know, um, how did you get introduced? That kind of stuff. And it is. Interesting how many people have come in. Some people came in and found the video game first, and, and other people that came from only the cartoon and then found everything else later. But it is, you know, the entry point is always interesting. And I, my other favorite story, you know, as, as in some of the press junk and stuff I've been doing is, you know, I, for the first time, for, you know, had my personal experience with watching one of my, you know, one of my offspring be completely corrupted by the turtles is, um, <laughs> <laughs> was uh no Peter is Peter's a little bit older. He's eleven now, he'd be twelve this year, but Shane is six. But when he was three and a half, um he was goofing around in his brother's room and uh, Peter just had on a turtle episode for some reason and you know, Shane suddenly caught it out of the corner of his eye and, and was like, you know, you know, W T F, you know, what is this? And um and uh uh he, he, he took all of Peter's uh, DVDs and then Peter gave him some of his turtle toys and I went upstairs like that day and he goes like he goes, Dad, look, this is, these are the ninja turtles and I'm like and Peter's like, Yeah, you know, yeah, Shane, you know, dad made them and it's like and that, you know, to a three and a half year old doesn't mean anything that you know, that I made them or I had anything to do with them. He can't relate to that, but what he can relate to is that he thought, you know, the turtles were cool and it was like he, you know, for the next two years wore the turtle you know, Raphael is his Halloween costume, and he had to have all the toys and all the books and watch all the movies 24 hours a day. And I'm like, holy shit, you know. It's and, of course, you had them all sitting <laughs> um, there ready ready for him to watch. Totally. It's like, you know, there's stuff, you know, you can't throw a Ninja Turtle without hitting another Ninja Turtle in my studio, you know. So it's sort of like, um, but it just never connect, you know. But I, when you watch that connection made the way it was made, um, it's it's pretty pretty outrageous. I can see, you know, the... You know the the countless you know millions of parents that I've tortured over my lifetime that uh, <laughs> with the Ninja Turtles. 
Um, but it's cool. Now you're tasting some of your own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, 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 be a, that'll, that'll be when I when I die. That'll be my hell. Actually, that would be a pretty decent hell if I go hanging out with a bunch of turtle fans. So I um, guess uh, as as a as a newer fan, Colton has a lot of questions to ask. So I guess we should move on to ask some of those. Please. Colton. Well, yeah. mind you, mind you, newer means I still have been watching something turtles related for about twenty years now. So right. but, but it's, the, it's all relative. You're new to the comics and. Oh, well, so since we referenced the movies, I guess I'll start off with there. It, since it wasn't the first thing I saw was the very first movie, and having gone back and read the comic, seeing that they, they really they really do share a lot of things because they they drew from your early comics. I, I was wondering uh, if there was one thing you could change in the movie. What would it be, and to what? Like to something you've done, or something maybe a little different. Well, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I was talking with Steve Barron, the director of the the first Turtle movie, recently, and. And again, it's it's come back around where um, one of the things that I would what I, one of the things I loved about the first movie, besides um, meeting Steve Barron, uh, the director, he he came when he came on board, we were starting to lose faith that we could pull the movie off. Um, but he came in with such a wonderful vision. He'd actually gone through one of the large, um, you know, 550-page collections, black and white collections that Peter and I had done, and he had posted it sort of. Had, had earmarked scenes in the in the in the actual original comic books. He said this this needs to go in the movie. This needs to go in the movie. This needs to go in the movie. And he'd seen you know he'd done his homework and that you know, he came in wanting to do the movie, not like hey this is a job. Um, it, he said I can really tell this this story and I can really have a, a good time telling a great story with these characters. And then his relationship with Jim Henson is what brought Jim Henson's studio on board to build you know build the first turtle costumes. But I thought uh, the first Turtle movie was um, probably the, the the first original, the first um, closest hybrid of uh, uh, taking bits and pieces that were working as an animated series and a lot of stuff in the black and white series and meeting it sort of right in the middle. It was you know something that was intended for all audiences so that the script was written so that you know it didn't insult parents' intelligence that had to bring the kids there that they actually had a good time and the kids had a good time with. You know some of the stuff um, that they didn't quite understand. You know, but like the the martial arts and that kind of stuff. And I still think the martial arts and that and those movies holds up pretty good. Um, but my biggest thing I'd like to change about the first movie was um, the fact that St- I know for I know for a fact that Steve Barron had a director's cut, had an original cut that he had done, and Isaac might have even seen some of the footage. I think of some of those tapes. I think there was some um, back in the early days of shooting. They had sent us. Um, they were sending up dailies. And there was, you know, scenes with Casey that were cut out of the movie, like the introduction scene, the camera kind of panning up the wall of a building, going into his, uh, uh, his, uh, his apartment, and going sort of panning across the mask on the table as he leans into the, he leans into frame and, and is watching three TVs, you know, watching the like he did in the original comic books, watching the bad cop shows. Um, but that would be the thing I'd love to see the most um, is Steve Barron to be able to go. Uh, in and, and remaster and do a director's cut of what he would have liked to done in the movie. And I know he has the footage. It's sitting there. It's it's in, in his archives in the UK. And uh, you know we just can't get anybody over at um, Warner Brothers and, and 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 you know what's left the new line and stuff to pay attention to it. So I um, might but... have it. <laughs> you little you little Dickens. You know you do. Um, I, don't, I can't say that out loud. <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs> Well, the thing that I may have, but I wouldn't because I'm not allowed to. What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking? You, you silly. <laughs> on, on that note, though, I mean, if you, I mean, I don't want to go on a giant tangent, but there is, there were a few 
Not that I have seen it, but there were a few interesting bits, but not as not as much as I mean. Obviously, you're right. There was there was totally some different stuff, but I think like like he said, they were so tight for time and and money that was just kind of yeah. down to the wire. One of the most epic achievements in filmmaking, I think, is is that whole film in in terms of because uh, uh, we recently did an interview with with Tom Gray with the producer and just getting that movie made like Kevin good on you guys for sticking sticking through that like wow and talk about you know put, putting that movie together on the budget they did was that that's like I have uber more respect for it now than I did before and that's pretty high so it was you know it was it was definitely it was a challenge and it was you know there was some you know unnecessary things you know behind the scenes that didn't necessarily need to take place they just did for you know, Hollywood egos and political reasons, but um, it was um, much like, you know, most of the turtle success back in the early days of, you know, the way that the first cartoon episodes got made. It was a five-part series that was put together on a shoestring budget that, you know, they said, look, if it, you know, that's why that first, you know, those first five-parters looks a little different, is drawn a little different, some of it not as good as some of the other stuff, but it was, you know, how everything was cobbled together, it was like, you know, the whole Rebel Alliance every step of the way, whether you're talking about the original comic book, the original cartoon series, and the original movie, and it's like, um, you know, it, and the Turtles, you know, the, the characters are still able to shine through and, and resonate with fans, which is pretty awesome. But um, on, on that note, you're absolutely right. I mean, because that is the amazing story of what, you know, you guys went through the nobody thought this would work, and then nobody thought the cartoon would work, and then nobody thought the movie would work, and then nobody thought the next thing would work. And it's like, it, like you said, they they always came through, and they always were like, yep, based on the merit of the story and the characters, there they are. Yep. No, it is, and it's and it's you know, and it's at the end of the day, and I do you know, I talk about the fans a lot, and 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 in a lot of stuff I do, and it really is that you know. Um, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere without the fans that we have, and 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 if we made something crappy, you know, the fans would let us know. For you know what's been accomplished, and I do sort of look at that and you know scratch my head sometimes that I don't know what we did that helps it resonate the way it does, but it's the same fondness I look at certain things that I enjoyed growing up, so um, which is cool. It's that's cool. It's it's freaking awesome. So. I, I could definitely see where you're coming from with the uh, scene with Casey because when I first read that issue, I just thought it was just so much fun seeing him. He's like, he's not some kind of like super badass guy in the work. He's a TV junkie who thought he could make a difference. Totally, yeah, he was. It was that was you know, and and my direct inspiration for that um, this character was was exactly you know what was going. You know, it's always been a long history in comic books of. You know, whether it be Batman having a really tragic um, uh, life experience that's you know helped him choose to decide to you know put on a cape and, and, and a mask and fight crime, and a lot of superheroes have these pretty pretty tr- horrific backstories. And I said I wanted to take a real lighthearted approach and said, what about a guy just wants to be a vigilante because he watched he watches too many of those bad TV shows like the A Team and T.J. Hooker and that kind of stuff, and that was his inspiration and. And um, and not long after, you know, Casey was, you know, created and introduced as a character, I saw um, a movie called Big Trouble in Little China. And uh, (laughs) from that point on, Jack Burton was Casey Jones to me. It was like every time I'd, you know, be writing Casey, I'd always, you know, want to think. I didn't go to the extremes that Jack Burton did, but I'd always think, like, you know, uh, what would Jack Burton do here? And I'd 
you know, I think that, you know, I'd like to, you know, I, I love that side of Casey that he can be, um, you know, a bit goofy. And, and you know what? What's funny is um, one of my favorite portrayals of Casey ever was um, Elias Kataeus in uh, the first movie. I think he did the best version of Casey the way I always saw Casey, um, especially after seeing, big, you know, Jack Burton that he, you know, you look at he's he's a, a great big-hearted guy, you know, uh, true justice in the American way, but he's a goofball, <laughs> you know, and he just doesn't have all the facts, and he's still, you know, he's still willing to charge in with all guns blazing to, you know, to, you know, stand up for his brothers and and you know, uh, do the right thing, or at least what he thinks is the right thing, and that's what what's great about Casey and, and stuff. So, and Elias is Canadian. Woohoo! Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> he likes hockey, eh? Um, I'm down with it. Yeah, totally. On, on the matter of Casey Jones, uh, initially when he was first introduced, he was in this one shot and then just nothing for a while, but then he came back. Uh, what made you decide for, to make him not just just another one-off character, but a character who stuck around with the group and just became part of it? As we were, that's a great question. We were doing, you know, when Casey was introduced, um, uh, it was in, obviously in Raphael and then, Shortly, you know, right around that time, Turtles, um, at the end of 3 and Turtles 4, um, they went into this big um, um, out-of-space adventure, uh, which was fantastic. Peter and I had to do our get our Star Wars, um, uh, you know, isms out of, you know, Turtles and Star Wars out of, out of the way. And by the time they came back at the end of 7 and we were uh, immediately jumping into 8, which was a, you know, a great time travel. Cerebus crossover and 9 was pre-Turtles. We we started thinking had been thinking around somewhere in the middle of six seven and eight that it would be great to as much as we said we didn't want to <laughs> um, we said we'd like to, we decided we'd bring back the shredder um, we felt that we didn't have a final say with this bad guy we also felt that um, uh, we wanted to take the turtles out of New York City um, because you know Peter and I spent little or no time there, but we were writing, you know, uh, characters and stories that took place in New York City, so it was hard to, you know, put some real meat on the bones, you know, just sort of, you know, getting our New York-isms from, you know, Frank Miller, Daredevil comics and stuff, you know. Um, and so we decided to bring them to Massachusetts, and then we liked the family aspect where we had, you know, the Four Turtles and Splinter, then we had April as the kind of the sisterly character, um, and um, uh, we loved the idea that... Um, Let's bring in a human kind of love interest um, for April, uh, which was, you know, that, that um, moonlighting sort of relationship. Maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something there isn't. Um, and we loved Casey. So it was, you know, Casey, you know, when, the, when we got into the uh, – after Leonardo into 10, you know, we got into the, the showdown and the uh, uh, second time around shop. It was like, you know, there was just no better time to bring this character back. Um, uh, and, and it was just um, – um, it just felt right. It felt like it fit, and that was um, and that was it. It was you know the rest is, I guess, history so to speak. But um, that was the, that was the family, and that's the core group. It, it's kind of funny. You're kind of every time you answer one of these questions, you seem to hit the next question that I actually want to ask. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you know, and I apologize. I actually I tend to babble a lot, so um, I do. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's fine. I was, I was just about to, my next question was going to be about the shredder, actually. I, I I really liked how you handled the Shredder both in the first issue and in his uh, return, both uh, his return where he kicks them out of New York and when they go back to New York and in the whole battle. But uh, one of the things I was wondering about was uh, with the whole him coming back, I was wondering uh, 
was was it the popularity of the character that made you really want to bring him back, or was there something else behind it? And uh, if you had known it, just how successful or how loved the character would have been, would you have done his uh, initial appearance a little bit differently? Good question. Again, um, you know, it's interesting. Well, when you go, you know, jumping to the last part of the question first was, you know, with the first issue, we made it a complete issue, so to speak, um, in that we never thought there'd be a second one. So, you know, you know, when you do the, you know, when he fell off the roof and got blown out by a, you know, that conveniently placed thermite grenade, <laughs> um, it's, you know, we, we thought it'd never be another issue. So that's, it was a great place to went in the story. And, and, but, you know, when they only find his, uh, um, and the last page, when they only find his uh, part of his armor, you know, you, you leave the door open. Um, but we also said, um, you know, Peter and I were like uh, high and mighty in that, in our thinking that you know we're never gonna, you know, we don't want to be one of these comic books um, that bring back the bad guy again and again and again. We'd like to keep bringing in new characters. Well, um, you know, you put those two items together that we never thought there'd be another issue, and why would we bring them back? Um, um, you know, at some point we, as we got into the stories deeper, into the characters deeper, into the turtles' origin a bit deeper. Um, we kept going back to, man, you know, maybe we should bring the Shredder back because I don't think we finished telling the story that we could tell here. Um, there's a lot more details. There's a lot more backstory. And so um, as we went on issue after issue, um, the, the pull to, to dig back into the Turtles' history deeper with the Shredder history deeper was, was just something we couldn't avoid. Um, and it was, you know, another genius, um, stroke of genius on Pete's, part um that he had this idea where if we you know to bring him back as this you know the the worm character <laughs> you know the worms that um eat the 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 leftover bits of the shredder and form a new shredder and, and this this whole technological you know comic booky sci-fi kind of thing which i totally got off on at the time um so we sort of Loved it. um compromised with ourselves and said that well we'll bring it back but we're going to bring it back in a way that is sort of uh um, you know, our own way <laughs> of doing it. And I don't think, you know, um, God, uh, even after uh, Return of New York, um, when he got killed again, um, unless it was Tales of the Turtles of Flashbacks, I don't think we did much of Back to the Shredder in those stories. Um, you know, you know, when you look at, like, the Michael Zuli ones or the the head, head and McGuini ones or the, the ones I did with Mark Bodie or the Mike Dooney ones. I think there was, you know, all kinds of exploration, different kinds of stories. But at the same time, the Shredder was an ongoing character in the, in the cartoon at that time. And it was ongoing character in the, in the Archie series and that kind of stuff. So it was sort of, um, everything sort of melded into a big melting pot of stuff. I, I've got to say, I did not see how he came back coming, but in hindsight, I loved it. It was just so different from what I expected. Turtles. You know, it was. Turtles. He was 21. great at that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Turtles Twenty One is probably the best comic ever committed to paper, in my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. It's funny. No, it is. You know, it's it's one of those that that series was um, such fun, and it was such a blast that we were all so busy and crazy and and, and trying to do you know um, you know between I think I did layouts on one and Pete on two, and I think we shared. We swapped layout sections on on issue three or twenty issue twenty one that it was really again Pete's brainchild as far as you know so I kept you know you you come up with an idea uh, uh, and then I would always you know 
try to get Pete, the, our techno, our Donatello, to to make it happen, to make it real. You know, how, how can we, how can the science work, Pete? You know this shit. You read a lot. Figure this out for us. Um, and he was he was great at that stuff. Uh, you've recently come back to the series after many years of being away. I'm just curious, what is it like work writing the series with Tom Waltz, and how is it different from when you worked with Peter Laird? The um, I love Tom Waltz. I think he's um, uh, he's just an absolute. Um, I just love him. I think he's great. I think he's uh, a very clever writer. I think he's he doesn't overwrite. He doesn't underwrite. I think he. Uh, laid out a, a fantastic roadmap of what he wanted to do initially before I was even introduced to the series, and, and I basically my I was brought back into the series in a way that um, my good friend uh, Ted Adams, uh, one of the main one of the main owners of um, IDW, is um, I've known Ted you know since the 50s, and um, and Ted uh, gave me a call one day and said, hey, we've gotten the rights to do the the turtles from Nickelodeon, and I'd love it if you'd like to do a you know do you want to do a cover or two be fantastic and I said yeah I'd love to do a cover thanks and you know I said well what do you what do you guys got in mind what do you got in mind for the story and uh, um, you know just took a trip down to have a lunch and catch up with Ted and sat down with Tom and uh, uh, Bobby Carnell and 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 uh, Chris Ryle and the, basically the whole team Scott Dumbier and, and, and Tom unloaded on me and what he wanted to do for the for the for the series and I was like Holy freaking shit! This is awesome. Um, I just love that he come up with different connectors. He pulled different bits of turtle isms and turtle, um, you know, bits out of the animated series, bits out of the black and white series, stuff out of the movies, stuff out of tales. He really um, um, painted a really nice picture. And I said, you know, this is just fantastic. I'd love to. And I, and I, you know, I can't shut up normally. Anyways, you guys can tell. Um, so I threw in a couple of notes here and a couple of thoughts there, and then I started doing the um, working on the covers. And I said, they said, hey, wouldn't it be fun um, if you did the layouts for like this eight-page preview we're doing for San Diego? And uh, and I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. It's, he said, you know, you know, Dan Duncan certainly doesn't need my layouts to do great stories and uh, very last, but we we all said that well, that'd be really fun. It'd be a way to kind of give my blessing that I've read the material, Tom's. Tell me about the chair, and it kind of gives my blessing to the series. And I did these um, eight pages of layouts, and they and they love them. I love doing them. That's the first, you know, turtle sequential um, uh, storytelling I'd done in, in probably 15 years, probably since Body Count. And I said to Ted, I said, you know, I had a really, really good time. I hadn't done these. I said, how about if I just finish finish the first issue? And he said, you know, have at it. And uh, Literally, one thing led to the next, and um, sudden, then you know, uh, they all said we all agreed that all right. Well, why don't I just do the layouts for the first story arc, which is the reintroduction? So, you know, 90 pages of layouts later, and you know, multiple sessions of sitting, you know, goofing around with Tom and, and Bobby and talking about different plot points and different things that they wanted to do, and you know, I could sort of bring in isms and ideas and stuff that you know, back history that they just didn't know. We we just got along so well that. Um, um, it was layouts, and then it was covers, and then um, I started dusting off old story ideas that I hadn't seen in a while. And I, you know, leading up to this annual that I just did, um, that just came out, was, you know, I think the first time, literally ever, in the history of the Turtles that I've done a 60-page story, um, essentially all by myself. Um, uh, and it was, uh, uh, you know, I'd worked with Pete, which was fantastic in, in the early years, writing and drawing, and I worked with. Simon Bisley's and I worked with Eric Talbot and 
you know, done stories, um, short stories with, you know, the, the awesome Jim Lawson, Ryan Brown, um, but I'd never done um, kind of um, a whole story by myself. So it was an idea that I had, and I, I sort of laid out this story that would have probably taken, you know, 100 pages to tell it right. And Tom goes, this is awesome, but you're never going to fit this into a 40-page book. And so once again, I got the mind meld with Tom, and we and he, he helped refine the story and take it down to something tellable in 48 pages, which then I, you know, forced everybody to let me draw 60 pages. And uh, um, it's just it's just been it's been great. It's really you know leading up through the entire you know year and a half now that I've been working on the new turtle series, including the new um, the new turtles annual it's reminded me you know one how much um uh, i love the turtles I've, not that i've ever not loved them how much more uh, you know how much deeply i love them how much i love and missed uh, drawing them um how much you know directly reflecting on the new annual turtles annual how much i've forgotten about drawing comics in general um and and how much uh, i want to learn i'm just so excited to be drawing comics again drawing turtles again be involved in the turtles history and and it really was this experience with IDW that's gotten me back to where I've changed my lifestyle so that I'm um, moved out of Los Angeles. I'm, I've got a new comic series, as well as the ongoing turtle stuff I'm going to be doing, a new comic series called Los Angeles that I'm doing with IDW. And I just, this is where I started. I started, you know, I was that kid, you know, nine years old with a with a paper route reading Jack Kirby's Commandy and wanting to draw comic books. And now I'm back there at the age of 50. Uh, uh, and, and could not be more excited about um, uh, the kinds of stuff I'm doing and the most excited uh, uh, that I've ever been or as, as I've ever been um, to the early days with Pete of what I'm doing with the Turtles now. So it's, um, uh, you know, nothing will ever replace or change the experience that Pete and I had together, but I'm having uh, the time of my life working on the Turtles right now. It, it, it's funny you mentioned Kirby because uh, next – Along with side uh, TV Ninja Turtles, uh, the old '70s Jack Kirby books that I went back to read are among my uh, favorite of the older comics I've read. That's so cool to hear. It really is. I know that um, Kirby's got a very particular style, and he's got a very particular, you know, not only art style but a style of, of storytelling that I think a lot of um, fans sort of, you know, I think you have to be. Uh, I don't want to say you have to have, in my opinion, you have to have good taste. No. <laughs> um, you have to have a particular sensibility and, 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 and affinity for what he did, and to me, that was you know, that was the bee's knees when I was growing up. That you know, there was none better than Kirby, and uh, you know, everybody has their the guy. You know, I saw I say that Jack Kirby's the guy that made me pick up a pencil and want to draw comic books, um, and I've had other influences, you know, Frank Miller and Richard Corbin and Vaughn Bodie and many others along the way, but um, Kirby was the the big one to me, and that particular period for me was. Um, the seventies period was 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 it. That was awesome. Oh yeah, his fourth world work was just my favorite one of my favorite comics three from the seventies. Right, totally. Yeah, Pete was uh he loved Pete was um I was Left Forever People and uh um uh New Gods, but Pete was Forever People, New Gods, um I liked Mr. Miracle, um the losers, of course Commandy was you know, there's nothing better than Commandy, um, in my opinion. And um so yeah, he was uh, but we that was you know, I love telling the story. The first time I went to Peter Laird's apartment in Northampton, Massachusetts, and I'd never seen a Jack Kirby original, and there hanging on his wall um, was this half-finished uh, losers. Um, you know, you remember the DC characters, the losers, Connor, Sarge, Storm, McLeod, Johnny Cloud, and um, uh, a pencil page signed by Kirby, and I just about 
crap my pants when I saw it, and I, you know, years later he ended up giving it to me, and it's it's hanging on my studio wall right now where I'm where I'm at. Is uh, I love that piece, and and uh, so yeah, we we had a big Kirby connection back in the day. Well, uh, going back to uh, the, you mentioned the annual. Uh, with you, with you actually coming back to finally doing the art and stuff, uh, which was really exciting. Uh, I was wondering with your, with your story, since this, since this is really your baby. Uh, was was there anything that you had to like pull back, like the IDW or Nick said no to, and uh, if so, what did you have to change? Good question. Again, it's like, in fact, you know, what I'm uh, consistently and, and constantly is, uh, amazed at, um, especially with respect to Nickelodeon, is how much freedom. Um, that they let um, you know IDW and myself have with these kinds of uh, kinds of stories, and that I mean, look in the first issue of the new series, you know, Casey's getting beaten up by his alcoholic father, you know, uh, you know, around, you know, the kinds of things that they allowed to happen, and they were fully aware of, you know, that you know whether it be the tweaks in the origin, the, you know, the reincarnation, you know, you know, just the different things. They knew that this specific comics was written for. Um, uh, and, and let everybody, let us all have the rope um, uh, to, to tell the story, dedicating this series to the to the original Turtle fan. Um, and, 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 and so I think they, they, they cut a, a pretty wide path of things we could do. And then with the annual, it was um, originally the only thing that we actually tweaked on the annual story that I originally pitched was um, uh, I sort of had made it more of a, you know, I love Casey and Raphael as my favorite to write. I made it more of a um, one. This all happens in one night while Casey and Raphael are outside um, of the turtles. You know, where the other turtles are home watching TV or doing whatever. This all happens in one night, uh, and so I, I kind of geared the story in that way. And they they loved it. And they said, No, we we actually like it, but we'd like it if you could you know, keep the other turtles and Splinter and everybody involved a little bit more because we feel like you know if you're coming back to doing you know, the first turtle story you've done in, you know, uh, in many, many years all by, you know, like this, then let's put everybody in there. And I agreed. I said, yeah, let's, that's easy enough to do. And we just tweaked some of the, the storytelling to fit everybody in as a, as a group. So, um, no, it's, it's, they've been, they've been fantastic um, and, and incredibly supportive. It's, um, you know, surprising. You wouldn't think so. And you'd, you'd think like, oh, it's a corporation and they're going to make us do this and make us do that. And uh, no, they've been just, uh, they've been super. Uh, looking back to uh, Volume One, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about was uh, what were your thoughts about uh, the shift from uh, you guys writing the stories to more uh, individual, like uh, each person gets to tell their own story during the Mirage Run? Because I have to say, going from the end of uh, Return to New York to going to a time traveling mutant girl was kind of a whiplash. <laughs> um, you know, man, it's it's. You know, I think back of uh, when I think back to to some of those times, even like. You know, changing. Um, you know, after um, say issue eleven. You know, even you know, by issue eleven, counting the four issue micro series. You know, you know, Peter and I had done fifteen fifteen books together, um, and uh, you know, and it was we were right in the thick of um, you know the cartoon show was out. The uh, uh, we were working on the new movie. We were you know working on the new toys. The licensing was taking off. There was so many dramatic things happening behind the scenes that we were just seeing, you know, not only that physical work-wise, but also, you know, personal life, you know, Peter was married and, and, and that, you know, I think Emily was on the way or Emily had been born by that time that I was, 
you know, it was just hard that we could never get in the same room anymore. We couldn't draw the way we we wanted to, and and uh, you know, finding the time to connect on on the story level was getting harder. We were running now, becoming, you know, I tell people, you know, there was this really dramatic shift in you know the late '80s, you know, say '87, '88, where you know, in a relatively short period of time, we went from spending uh, uh, 90% of our time being creative with the turtles and 10% of our time doing business with the turtles to the exact opposite within 12 months where we're suddenly spending 90% of our time being businessmen with the turtles and 10% of our time being creatively, physically creative, you know, drawing together. So we figured, um, look, just to, you know, for the fans and for a number of other backfield reasons, let's, let's split the chores you do an issue and I do an issue. We we talk about the issues and sort of look over each other's shoulder if it helps and, you know, explore some other stuff, you know, creatively, artistically and otherwise. But, again, it was, uh, you know, by then we were working on, you know, 13 animated scripts and a movie script and, you know, all the stuff. So it was um, – but it was – so when we looked out to um, pull an outside artist to help fill in the gaps and, you know, maybe make a regular schedule of – six, you know, regular series issues a year and six Tales of the Turtles issues, giving us 12 issues a year. Um, we started reaching out to friends and fans and people that we, I mean, other artists that we'd met in the in the comics community who, who wanted to tell stories. And I said, man, I'd love to draw a turtle story. And if I could draw a turtle story, I would do this kind of turtle story. I've never seen you guys do a time-traveling story or a mutant girl story, you know what I mean, those kind of things. So we we gave people a lot of rope back in those days, too, to tell the kind of turtle story that they thought would be fun to tell. Um, and so, you know, you got the, again, the, you know, Hedden and McWeeny issues and the, the Eric Talbot issues and the Michael Dooney issues and, you know, every, you know the, the Michael Zuli issues, um, uh, on and on and on. So it was, uh, um, yeah, it was, I think in, in, in at the end of the day, um, we tried to correct that, do a course correction by the time, you know, because I think it was getting a little bit, Two out there, and so when Peter and I came back on 48-49 and then the the um, uh, City at War series, that was a way to try to sort of bring it back into a regular, you know, a, a regular ongoing um, series that we had, you know, direct input on, and uh, and that, you know, as the case turns out, that was sort of the the the, the, fun, the finale, so to speak. Yeah. I haven't actually gotten there yet because I'm following with the hardcovers, but I'm really looking forward to City at War. No, it's we're doing. I'm doing. Uh, I'm working on the cover practically literally as we speak. It was due in Friday, um, which is about two weeks past when when Justin wanted it. But I'm I'm just finishing up the uh, the art on that um, now and uh, on the stuff. And I've been doing working on the annotations, so that's been. And I love going back and seeing that stuff again. And 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 those those hardcovers are just like. Um, they're fantastic. I don't know. It just—it almost feels like you know, it's somebody else's book. It's like it's so cool. It's like, how do we deserve a book this cool? But it's so cool, you know. Um, it makes me feel like I've accomplished something. And and it's, it sounds silly and retarded to be honest, but it's like um, those books are fantastic. They did, you know, IDW does such a great job with that stuff. I think I got one last question for you, and then I'll let the uh, the rest of the guys finish you off. But one thing. I- Oh, so so kind of you. <laughs> Did the kids show just go right out the window again? That was a Freudian slip. Shut up. Of course, the guy that's going to the bachelor party—he's just getting prepped for his bachelor party. That's all. Yeah, that's true. 
I'm I'm already half in the bag. <laughs> well, they have those. Is it true they have drive-through beer stores? And, and I'm kidding. They don't. I know they don't. It's um. Um. Go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the last thing I wanted to ask was uh. Well, it, it, sometimes I notice that between uh, creators themselves and the fans, it varies a lot. But uh, what was your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story out of all the ones you've done? My favorite turtle story out of all the ones that I've done. Um, you know, it's two. I mean, immediately, almost without thinking, I immediately thought of the the, the Casey, um, the Raphael one shot. Um, that was that was sort of one of those that. Um, uh, I remember coming to Pete and going, hey, you know, I, want, I have this idea for this character, Casey, and I had a couple of versions of him with his baseball bats, and Peter looked at him and almost immediately said, you know, hey, add a golf bag, and that'd be funny, and it was just, the way that that character came to be, we just we just loved it, and I and I just liked that. It was his first story that I felt that I actually wrote something, or that we wrote something, you know, me, myself, and I, which is sort of Raphael reflecting on his problems with somebody that's crazier than him, and so that one immediately comes to mind as probably near the very top. Um, the the uh, the turtles number eight because um, I, you know, directly thank as often as I can Dave Sim for uh, inspiring and re-inspiring us to do um, self-publish uh, um, as an alternative to, to to getting you know as an alternative to getting into comic books thanks to the direct market and guys like Dave Sim. But if you look at you know Dave Sim when he started with Cerebus. Um, you know, he was drawing this animal character like um, Barry Smith was drawing Conan back in the day in the early 70s, and um, and uh, he kind of got a lot of recognition initially by doing that. Um, but as you dug into the story of Cerebus, it was a much deeper and a much cooler story that to be told there. So, you know, you can see we directly inspired, you know, not only just self-published in black and white, but used an animal character and used... You know Frank Miller as a major crutch in our launch of uh, of Turtles. So um, to team up with Dave and do um, uh, Turtles Eight was uh, was a really a fun fun story. But uh, you know at, at the same time I have to say that um, you know the especially the ones the stories working with Pete um, that whole period that you know those first fifteen issues were um, just the best because each one was. Uh, Christmas morning is that you know we we sort of look at this blank palette and go you know what kind of cool story would we like to tell that we would like to read um, you know even if nobody else ever reads this this is the kind of story that we'd like to tell and this is you know so it was um, having complete creative control and telling and, and drawing a story that we had so much fun doing um, so I think you know, with those two highlights, you know, say uh, uh, the Raphael one shot and uh, number eight, the rest were just, you know, awesome levels of um, enjoyment. So, yep. Now, thank okay. you for uh, answering my questions. Been fun talking to you. My pleasure. <laughs> I guess. Oh uh, my God! No, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I guess. I guess let's let's move on now into uh, into Karen's questions. You have what three and a half? I I think I have. I might only have two. Although now. Um, no, it, no, it, that might just be it. Of course, now I'm trying to find where the hell I wrote them down. Um, no, you actually touched upon a lot of them, and I thought about cutting uh, Colton off and being like, no, my question would fit perfect here, but maybe they can do something about that in post-production. Um, <laughs> I want to know what it's like now. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, in, in a matter of month, months, you guys went from 90% creative to, and 10% business to the opposite of that. What's it like now, now that 
someone else is holding all the business reins and it's just, you know, you and your, well, you called it your dungeon and now I can't think of it as anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> you and your studio and you, you're just telling the stories that you want to tell. What is what is that like now? Well, what's cool is that, you know, it, it really is, um, you know, I had uh, um, in many ways stepped away from the Turtles back in the 97, 98 and it sold, you know, my share of at least initially creative in control of the turtles to Pete, and then Peter later the rest of it to Pete, and then Pete sold it to them. So I've been, you know, out of the turtles' direct business relationship experience for a long time, which is good because that was when we were doing the business. The business was, um, you know, like we've already said, you know, 90% of the time, and it was not it was not pleasant. I mean, in that. You know, you had to know the contracts, and you had to read the contracts, and you had the lawyers, and there was the lawsuits from people claiming they they created the turtles, and it was this, and you know, we had a twenty, twenty-five, thirty-person staff, and we, you know, there was just um, trademarks, and um, you know, you just spent so much time, you know, getting through the business stuff when you actually sat down to do the creative stuff. You were so exhausted, you literally it was hard to be creative, and so um, these days, you know, like you know, I went through periods where um, I was running heavy metal, and that was a, a big, intensive process. And I was running other businesses, and, and you know, it almost seemed like avoiding the drawing board like the plague. But I was still, you know, doing, you know, storyboards and doing stuff with Simon Bisley, you know, the Melting Pot stuff and Fistful of Blood, and, and, and so many other kind of projects I was behind the scenes writing on and drawing on and launching. Um, to come back to the Turtles specifically and just be. Um, you know, a work for hire um, is fantastic because I get to do just the creative stuff, um, and I don't have to worry about any of the business stuff. Um, and that, to me, is it's it's liberating, it's exhilarating, and it's awesome. Um, and the people that I work with are, are um, you know, I don't carry, you know, I, I guess you know, um, much of an ego. I, I just I'm all. I like to have fun and I like to tell the stories and I'm probably more open-minded to different kinds of turtle things um, than Pete is. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Pete has always been a, a pretty much a purist. Um, I've been, a lot, I think, a little bit more flexible in what I would do and how I would handle them in, in different situations. But um, but for now, it's just, uh, it's all fun. And so, my not, you know, when I went back and started drawing the comics for IDW, um, like I said, it really was life-changing in that, you know, it, it reminded me of, of a number of, you know, passions that I had. You know, I was 21 years old when we did the first issue of The Turtles, and I haven't felt, you know, the same excitement about drawing a comic book um, since then, uh, the early days, until now. Um, now going back and working on them again, that it's all I want to do now. So I kind of restructured my life in that I, I focus on heavy metal um, as an editorial thing that I've always loved. It's a very easy job. Um, there's only four or five people in the company, and we, we pretty pretty much know what we're doing, um, and uh, we've revamped that company. But um, then every other minute I can after that is, um, besides family time, is drawing time, and, um, and that's just fantastic. That's, uh, that's, you know, it's, it's the icing on the cake, so to speak, after all these years. As someone uh, who, well, your your art is some of the best uh, turtle art ever. I mean, obviously, that kind of went without saying. Excuse me, pretend that that was really articulate. Um, <laughs> but I'm really, really glad as someone who really loves your artwork that you're back drawing and that you enjoy drawing. Because it was always one of the things that I always kind of felt, you know, bad and kind of about was that because you guys got attacked with all the business stuff and all the legalese and whatnot, that drawing 
stopped being fun. And I know that's one of the reasons why Peter has taken his time out and makes me very sad to know that something that, you know, you guys once loved became something you didn't love for a long time. So, you know, as a fan and as someone who really, really loves your work, I'm glad that you're back in a place where this is enjoyable for you and and, and not just for purely selfish reasons because I want you to make more stuff. Take my money. Please take my money. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> the other question I had was uh, during your original run, during, you know, Mirage Volume 1, is there anything looking back, you know, that, that you might have done, that, you know, stories that you to- toned down for whatever reason? And, I mean, you mentioned kind of briefly that there were stories that you had wanted to tell. Are we? Uh, are the chances good that we're going to see some of those or more of those stories come out with the new IDW line? Um, good stuff. Um, good questions. Good stuff. Um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. At first, thanks for your compliments about the drawing, and it really is. It's, it's, it's funny, and I was very serious when um, I said the experience on the new um, Turtles Annual was not only reminded me um, how much I miss drawing comic books, how much I love drawing comic books, but how much I, I've forgotten about drawing comic books and how much I need to learn. And that, that to me, was goes back to the whole... Um, feeling of when I was doing the original series with Peter back in those days was that um, Peter was a lot more experienced in, in, in drawing than I was. He's eight years older than I am, and so I learned so much from from, from Peter, you know, techni- you know technically and, and, and stylistically and stuff, and I kind of would, you know, be over flamboyant in my layouts and, and you know, my mil- my Frank Millerisms, but it was uh, the kind of stuff I'm doing now is is back to that feeling, so it's it's it's. I thank you for your compliment, and, and it's been great to be back doing this stuff because it, it it really is purely enjoyment, and that may be coming across in, in the work. Um, but the um, the kinds of stories that you know, it, it's funny that I've been going through, and and you know, Isaac's seen a lot of. I mean, the archives. It's like I'm I'm the biggest pack rat geek on the planet. I still have you know all my comic books from when I was you know seven, eight, nine years old. But I've kept all of my turtle stuff and, you know, every little scrap of paper that I've written some, you know, note on or some story idea or something that Peter and I had written on together, um, you know, there were a lot of um, um, ideas that never came to be back in those days. But I think it was just waiting to see what kind of story they'd fit in. And and that's what we're doing now um, on the IDW series is literally that, um, you know, without – you know, this isn't a spoiler alert or anything, but some of the stuff we're working on for next year, uh, 2013, is stuff that um, are from some ideas that I had back in um, around Turtles, you know, 9, 10, 11-ish, um, and then maybe a little bit afterwards um, that you'll see start popping up. And I'll, you know, I, I don't want to leave you hanging, but I don't want to give anything away. But I, stuff that you'll you'll see it when, when you get it, you go, oh, I see. But there is... It, it's it, Tom is so excited to, to to know that kind of stuff because it is you know he's you know if anything else he's a turtle fan and so when he hears the like hey you know when we did this issue we were at one time thinking about doing that and he's like are you kidding me that'd be awesome let's use it you know so it is that kind of energy that um, uh, working with Tom is that we are able to pull out you know say two or three old ideas with his existing new awesome ideas and then it almost creates a hybrid of you know, new possibilities, and I think that's the best part of uh, the series that he's designed is, you know, where he's pulling from, you know, Turtles, original Turtles, Tales, Archie series, Turtles animated, that he set up a foundation, a platform that you can pull from a lot of different places and make those stories work. Um, Like when you see, you know, I just read um, uh, Turtles 18 and what he did with, you know, 16, 17, and then what he's doing with 18, it's like, 
you know, because he, you know, we talk about this stuff, but he's he he puts it to paper. And when I read this stuff, I'm like, dude, you just, you know, you just keep getting better and better. And it's and so um, that's the fun stuff. It is that you know, the, the it's 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 a perfect platform for a hybrid of ideas, old and new, that can kind of come together. And if it fits, um, we're going to use it. And um, and so uh, you know, it's I feel like you know, it's weird. It's like I feel like all the cool stuff we did in the first year in the IDW series um, just scratched the surface. I mean, the stuff that we're doing now and the stuff that we've already planned out, you know, we're already, you know, we've um, we've pretty much written the next Turtle Annual, which would be next October, um, that I already oh, wow. on my own. I can't wait to start drawing that, that type of stuff. So we're we're pretty jazzed. Um, and, again, we wouldn't have this awesome job if you guys weren't buying this stuff. So it's been fantastic to, to you know, to, to have um, – have that opportunity guys i'm so sorry to do this and jump in on on this but i am gonna have to bow out uh and and go off to my thing you guys can edit this out no problem with that um i'm off to my my thing my bachelor thing and uh kevin it was awesome to to hear your voice um i if you don't mind can i send you a a text message with a a slight side project idea thing uh in regards to the, the documentary Yes, absolutely. Let's, you know, definitely, definitely, and let's, um, you know, just jump on the call and catch up. Actually, Randall had sent me an email recently to catch up, and, you know, maybe the three of us should jump on a call and just, you know, mind melt a little bit because I could update you some on some other things and some other things. So let's, let's plan likewise, that for next week. Likewise, things are moving on our end, um, which, of course, I can't say out here, and, and I have to leave really to Randall to tell you anyway, but um, we have a – we have something we hope you'll be interested in and, and, and seeing without giving anything away, seeing as you're, you're really excited about drawing, I think you might be excited to do it. So hopefully. Anyway, um, th- thanks, guys. Thank you. I'll, I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me uh, as part of this. This is Isaac Elliott Fisher out. Don't do anything Isaac. I wouldn't do twice. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Isaac. We'll talk to you soon, mate. Thanks, man. See, see you soon. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. You know, if they do a documentary of the documentary, we can put this podcast in there. <laughs> we'll do a documentary. Yeah, we we'll do a documentary of making making the documentary. So. Um, um. All right. Well, we only have. Uh, I think we only got a few more questions before we before we can finally let you go and do whatever it is you're gonna do. Uh, but I guess we got some questions from from Andrew now, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, kind of. A, Karen touched on a little bit. Uh, your your annual for IDW is fantastic, and it's great to see the duo toning back in full effect. Big fan of duo toning. I think you, you're probably like the sole keeper of the last vestige of pages. Uh, and people have compared your story to the Unmentionables, and I can see quite a bit of the same flavor. And I know deep down, though, you've got like a mean balls to the walls, return to New York, Turtles 21 style tail bouncing around your head with the, you know, the ninja action kicked up to a 10. And now back in the groove with not only the new Turtle comic, but the giant size annual, do you think we're going to see stuff like this from you in the days to come? Maybe the yeah. next annual you mentioned? Hands down, across the board, yes. Awesome, um, awesome. You know, it is. It's sort of like you know, and uh, and again, you know, I keep talking about you know, you know, Tom being a big fan. Bobby also is a big fan. It's one of his favorite all-time turtle issues was the Leonardo um, one shot. Yes, that um, as well. And he did that when he did that in in you know he directly because <laughs> uh, he he is he's such a great writer in his own right, and uh, you know he's a fantastic editor. He really is. Uh, you know, there's guys that can do both, and he really can do both. And uh, when you look at the, you know, how the the one-shots 
whether it be the Fugitoid, April, um, the, the, the KC1, how everything all intertwines. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. But he purposely set out, um, wanted to recreate that Leonardo feeling, uh, and the Leonardo one shot that he, you know, the IDW did to sort of his homage to the original one, and I thought he did a fantastic job. It was, um, the action was intense, the emotionality was, you know, Leonardo remembering his, you know, his mother passing away in the past yeah. life, and the stuff it was just really kick ass. And so, um, but we talked about, uh, um, this original idea I had for this annual, um, uh, again, started more as a Casey Raphael detective sort of kind of thing. Um, uh, but humorously, I love doing the, you know, the cheeky kind of, you know, Guy Ritchie thing. Yeah. Um, but we had talked about an all-action thing, and I had pitched another idea that I thought would work as a great action piece, and that sort of alluding to the next annual and what was sort of setting in motion with um, the books that you see start coming out in 2013 um, and some other stuff I'll be doing more integrated into the series leading up to the annual. It's all, um, it's, just, it's a plot line that you see run through and come to fruition in the, in the next turtle annual, which will be a, a pretty heavy, um, uh, action-heavy issue. So, uh, and that was, that, that's the stuff I live for. And, uh, and I do have, actually, I'm, I, I'm sitting in the studio in the garage. Actually, I just moved some, uh, the last of my stuff in the L.A. studio, and I've got about 230 pages of Duotone staring me in the face here. Yeah. Duo-shade paper. Yeah. Uh, so the last, the, last, the last of the 240 Duo-shade. And I love it. It's just, you know, and um, uh, it's great to – it was – that was, again, I, you know, doing the annual – did you see, look, I did 60 pages in about 60 days, and some of the panels and some of the drawing reflects that. Um, there's some panels I still wince at a little bit, but it is, you know, and, and that's a love-hate thing I think any comic artist have, or certainly I have, is that, you know, um, there's some panels that work the way you envision this picture in your head, and there's most of them that don't quite live up to, you know, you know, so we all think we can draw like, you know, uh, like the original Leonardo, and in reality I draw like Kevin Eastman, but, um, you know, so the, the, the images in your mind sometimes don't live up to what you're actually putting on paper, but um, the feeling was just the same, I really felt... Um, um, you know, it was it was, it was uh, the same inspiration, the same intensity, and the same passion was 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 coming out through those pages, and I had a blast. Awesome! Can't wait to see that next annual. So, it's it's no secret you're involved in some capacity in the Brewing Turtle movie. Now, without getting into any kind of explicit detail, get anyone in trouble or anything, can you? Or maybe a better question is, will you comment at all or clear up any confusion in regard to the different scripts that have existed uh, either prior or after the Nickelodeon sale? For example, the, the Fusco script that was apparently discarded. Uh, do you know if that bears any resemblance to the much-criticized treatment with Aliens, Colonel Schrader, and all that uh, that was leaked on the Internet? Well, you know, it's funny that um, one of the things that, you know, and I had, I had not seen that script, um, the one that, I guess, it was the one that was leaked. Um, yeah. But, but what my... Um, my involvement was goes back about three years um, when uh, Galen Walker and, and and Scott Mendick were were originally you know crafting a, what they thought would work as a as a as a as a as a turtle movie, which John Fusco wrote, which to me is 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 fantastic on on every level. I thought it was really a uh, um, uh, a, a great. Batman Begins style retelling of the original Turtle movie. It was it was pretty heavy. It was pretty dark. It had some uh, um, some great stuff in there. It had some stuff that dug a little bit deeper, and 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 I just liked it. I enjoyed it as a um, as, as wanting to see an edgier Turtle story. 
and I think that, you know, there'd been a couple versions of that, and then I think that, you know, there's been, you know, to my knowledge, and again, it's it's peripheral sort of at best on uh, a number of aspects, and there was a couple, like a year or so in between that they were exploring different ideas with different writers, um, um, and, and some of them, you know, some of the ideas were um, pretty straightforward, some of them were pretty pretty um, out of out of left field as far as an idea, you know. Um, and so it is sort of uh, one of those things that, you know, um, when you look at the kinds of things that we did in the animated series, even some of the kinds of things we did in the tale series, you know, there's a pretty wide berth of <laughs> berth for sort of the kinds of turtle stories you can tell. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think for everybody um, across the board, especially Paramount and, and, and Michael Bay and, and Jonathan Leesman, when, you know, you have movies like um, X Men. I'm sorry, uh, event, you know, the X Men movies I love, X Men First Class, and Avengers, the Avengers movie, and things like that. That you know do the you know as a as a fan growing up of X of Avengers, you know I practically wept during that movie. It was so <laughs> yeah. it was so perfect. Um, and so I think that they really get it now, so to speak. They go, oh, you know, if we do it. <laughs> You know, we we pay respects and pay homage and, and keep true. Um, then then there's a lot to be said for for that and what it means to the to the to the the ultimate fan, which is you know the most important in my opinion. And um, uh, so um, you know what the, the direction that the, the the you know the film is, and it, and a lot of people say, well, was the movie delayed because of script issues? And and I you know in talking to Leavesman and that's, they del- a lot of reasons Paramount delayed the movie it was one it was um it would be may 2014 with the turtles 30th anniversary uh also leavesman you know from day one coming onto the script said you know i don't have enough time to do the kind of effects and fight scenes i want to do uh and you know you know leavesman's talking you know rise of the ape style you know handling treatment of the turtles and raid redemption style fight scenes you know the reality is you know um there's going to be uh uh um you know, Michael Bay, I think, you know, for what people, and I know there's a wide variety of opinions of Michael Bay, I think he makes great movies, and I think he makes pretty intense movies, and big, he makes big pictures, um, and I think uh, uh, the writers that uh, Josh Applebaum and, and Andre Nemec, who, you know, Ghost Protocol and other things that they've written are pretty solid, um, yeah. and, uh, and, and the latest version of the script I've seen, which is not which is, you know, uh, furtherance of some of the earlier drafts that they'd done specifically. Um, it's fantastic, and I saw some of the most re- recent visuals on the turtles, and, and it is fantastic. And it's um, it's going to be uh, uh, much like the comic series, and much like the uh, the the uh, 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 Neely uh, Nickelodeon series. It's it's going to, you know, pay respects and true homage, and and, and be tapping that vein of the original. Um, but it's going to be its own enigma, its own and its own entity and its own thing. But um, it's it's great. It's I'm feeling um, you know I liked what I saw initially. I like what I've seen more recently, even more so. Um, and I'm I'm pretty jazzed about what they're doing, where they're going with it. So cool. Now you've you've always been very open and welcoming of, of new iterations of uh, turtles in film and otherwise. But uh, everything we know of the new the new movie put aside, uh, what would be your ideal turtle movie? Do you feel that the first movie is about as far as the envelope can be pushed in terms of uh, tone or faithfulness to the comics? You know, the, the first movie, for sure, and I think that, you know, the first movie, it's like, if, you know, I think that, um, 
one of the things that I, I you know, going back to the Fusco script, um, what I loved about what John did with the with the characters was was give them more um, a substantial backstory, more uh, uh, more resonant. Gave there was some resonance. Uh, there was more power. There was more stability. There was more of a foundation. There was more connections that were kind of neat little twists and, and, and spins that were sort of you know in the original foundation of what he put into the, the retelling of the first movie and out and but what I loved about the first movie was the humor um, and, and the visual aspect I think that you know you could see you know certain seam lines in the costumes and you could see some of the the, the, the animatronics didn't work always the way that they should have but you still believed that they were real, you know what I mean? You, they yeah. worked, you know, you get the suspension. Um, and some of the martial arts holds up, but there's some stuff I do. I think it, you know, uh, um, a, a proper retelling, you know, Batman, Batman Begins version of the first movie would be... Probably the way to go. Be, yeah. Probably be the way to go, but at the same time, you know, we've all seen it. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, in, in a way that, you know, and that's not a bad thing, and it's not, a, it's not that kind of thing. Um, if you can... You know, if you can push and pull, and, and, and to be honest, I think that some of the some of the stuff that we did in the in the comic series, I was waiting for a much bigger backlash than than, than actually than, than what we actually got. I think that people were happy that um, you know we put Beepo back in the laboratory, for example. But then you know we had her name the turtles, which was different from the original, and the separation of you know even of uh, Raphael um, from the original group. This was something that you know, an idea that Tom had that reinforced the, the, the relationship between Casey and Raphael that we had in the original series. That was much, you know, something I was really, you know, into. So the, the stuff that I thought um, might be the biggest, some have some of the biggest problems with the with the fans because the the core story is the same, the the, the tone is the same, the intensity is the same, and and, and the story is told well, and the and the dots connect in a way that makes. I think us all feel comfortable um, and, and, and actually a little bit excited. Um, that's a little bit different. Um, it, it leaves us room for some surprises, and I think that, you know, we've been, again, we've been continually, luckily, hit, hitting them out of the park with some of the stuff we've been trying to do, and, and this whole, you know, Krang's War series is going to blow your mind. It's just some really fun stuff. <laughs> um, nice. So uh, um, it's it, it, you'll get every you know it's funny because you guys especially you'll get all the isms you'll get all the stuff you see exactly you see exactly what we're trying to do and what we're what we're playing up with some of the stuff. And, will we know. will we see triceratons? Ooh, you you know you will. No, it's yeah. uh, um, it's it, it, you know at at a um, you know it, it's all coming full circle. All that stuff's coming back around, and that's. Um, and it's just done, and, and I and I can I cannot, you know, say enough about Tom Waltz, and uh, um, you know, his he's just a, you know, he's got one of those brains that's designed for this because he's you know he's got dots connected from, you know, here here and here, and you know it, it even surprises me. I read through and I suddenly go, oh my god, you know that throwaway you saw in panel twelve of issue seven was this, and then now it means this here now. Oh my god, you made that work. Um, so he's he's just. Uh, uh, he and Bobby do a, a bang-up job at all that stuff. All right, man. Uh, going to put the elephant in the room now for my last question. Uh, Peter Laird, and uh, it was a very eloquent dedication to him in the annual. Now, what happened between you two is between you two, and I know it's got to be at least a bit personal, and it's going to remain one of the biggest turtle mysteries out there. But that said, 
Uh, Peter has publicly said that he would be open to working with you on new Turtle projects, be it comics, ah. on the drawing board, creatively, or whatnot, but only on the condition that you reach out to him. Is that something that's going to happen? And what's it going to take to get you two in the same room together? Well, a couple of things, you know, um, perfectly and bluntly. Most of the... Um most of the problems or, or, you know, any of the pulling away that was um, done, say, in the early days was was, was definitely wholeheartedly 100% my doing in that um, uh, I, when I, when we did the first, the very first turtle issue, um, when I first, actually, when I first met Peter, one of the things that we loved about Kirby was the same thing, was that Kirby didn't do one character and one story. He did everything and he you know we look at what you know the, the the history the legacy that jack kirby leaves behind is just off the charts my other biggest influence is richard corbin you know richard corbin has very few ongoing characters that you know dan and things like that that he continues to return to but it, every story he does is different and, and it explores this that and the other thing you know frank miller you know certainly returns to his daredevil roots and that kind of stuff repeatedly and but that, you know he again martha washington to you know, um, to the holy terror, you know, uh, yeah. he just, you know, he does different stuff. Um, so when Peter and I did the first issue together, I really, you know, I can't stress enough that it was, um, we never thought there'd be another issue. Um, we were blessed a billion times fold that there was a second issue and a third issue in the history that Peter and I had together. And it got to be, by the time we were getting up, you know, we'd done up about a thousand pages of stuff together, um, story-wise, and it was like, you know, and I'm 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 feeling the the pulling of like, um, you know, look, I want to do melting pot, I want to do this, I want to do uh, this, other stories. I you know I I bought Heavy Metal magazine, which was a big thing. I was like, you know, I was the one that was pulling the hardest, um, you know, to 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 break up the band. You know, I was not only John Lennon, but I was Yoko Ono at the same time. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that so. The history that you know, what Peter and I had together, um, and what you know, um, what the relationship is, is that you know, he's always been there, and and um, I have not been as good a friend as I should have been. Uh, we've we've gone a great, I think we've we've covered some some distance, and and you know, me trying to um, respectfully make uh, the relationship, um, you know, it'll never be what it was, but I like to make the relationship good again because I do think the world of uh, of him and he's been a, a really good friend to me. Uh, he's always been a good friend to me. He's always been there. And that's, um, uh, it's funny that, you know, I was talking to somebody recently and they said, they go, oh, my friends put up with me because I'm an asshole because I do this, that, and the other thing. And they, they love me because of me. And I said, you know, I used to think that way. And I think that, like, if you have a really good relationship um, with your friends, that's the thing you should take the most care of is that because they are your good friend, that's the thing you want to, to, to work as best you can to preserve the most so you don't want to be you know why would you be an asshole to your friend they're your friends you want to be you know a friend um so yeah. uh um you know and i've and i've you know when i've talked to peter about maybe doing this and that and i think he's you know he uh he's done he's slugged it out with the turtles for 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 a number of years and i think that the last time we talked about working on something together um even it was even recently within the last couple of months it was sort of like oh wow yeah you know, uh, no it's just it's sort of like you know I have some ideas some story stuff that I've um, I, I kind of put some stuff in front of him um, you know we've we've basically said that uh, um, 
you know, if something happens together, it'll be, you know, um, a naturally, it'll, it'll be an organic process that we'll both get excited about and, 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 and do together. But it has to be, it has to be done that way. It just can't, you know, I can't force it and he can't force it. It, it, it has to be almost like um, uh, a bit of a mind melt. I mean, it's got to be something that I say that sets off a spark that he gets excited about that, you know, it kind of grows mutually that way. And whether, you know, that results in something turtles or something um, otherwise, it's a, it's a matter of time will tell. But we, you know, it's like um, I send him notes and he sends me notes and, and they're always uh, um, super supportive and, and um and, and friendly, and I and I adore that relationship now. So we're, you know, and I think that that's the best thing to say about it is that um, uh, um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So he's an awesome guy. He really is. It's like you know, it's sort of like you know, uh, um, it, you know, and it, it's funny. And actually, the biggest thing that in don't because Bobby still feels bad about it. The biggest thing that ticked me off about the um, the Turtles annual was that um, I was so late with the book that we had to, because <laughs> I had it 12 pages, you know, so that when it, when it was going to press, um, when we were proofing it, as it went out the door, so to speak, and we didn't catch it till later, that if you read the dedication to Peter. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. Oh, it's, we, we, we dropped we <laughs> drop an R, so it reads yeah. to a bother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, uh, but no, I was... We, I know. I was like, "What? Shit!" You know. And I told Peter right away, and he said, "He goes, ah, typos happen." And that's that's the way Peter sees stuff. But uh, um, but uh, but no, that was uh, that was uh, that was funny in in the wrong sort of way. It's like you know, it's like why why uh, you know out of every single bit of type that's written in that book, that R gets dropped there. So. I know, right? Why have you forsaken me? <laughs> Why have you forsaken me? You know, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. No! no. And now, without further uh, ado, our special guest, Peter Lair. <laughs> Hello, Peter. Uh, Peter. Uh, but, you know, I think I, I saw Pete, he was up doing an assigning with Steve Levine up at this comic store recently, and I know he's kind of out and around, you know, running around, but. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's. Um, uh, Right now, I think he's just taking a, a massive mental break and, and uh, taking care of his health and yeah. his family and enjoying life. And uh, yeah, so good for him. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, that that is all the questions I have, and I think we have for you, Kevin. Uh, Name? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it was it was great talking to you, Kevin. Uh, we hope to maybe do this again in the future. Absolutely. You know, we should definitely make a regular habit of it. It's fun. I think yeah. that you know, let's um, when we get into. Uh, uh, we just so yeah, like say sometime you know mid spring next year I think would be you guys will see some stuff rolling out from IDW that we should talk about again and I think that that would be a blast. Um, we are going to do a a big event. Um, uh, Tom Walsh is actually coming out to it. We're doing um, a new comic day uh, next May at Ralph D. Bernardo's Jetpack Comics, um, cool. which is going to be a blast. So it's like you know Ralph, you know Ralph. Ralph, Ralph DiBernardo is, um, he's uh, got a store called Jetpack Comics up in Manchester, New Hampshire, and he's the guy that held the Portsmouth Comic Con where he and I first premiered the yeah. little book. So yeah, so what we're doing is new comic day up in May. I'll be, I'll be around.
to go, you know, beat my kids. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> beat my dogs. Dogs. No, no. <laughs> Kick the dogs, beat the kids. No, the lack of daylight savings time. Daylight savings time is great. No, but I mean, if we didn't, if we just kept the clock where it was, then it wouldn't yeah, be so fucking whatever. jarring. Yeah. Yeah, I would just assume, you know, have more daylight at night than in the morning. I mean, what the fuck do I need in the morning for? Yeah, right. I'm asleep I sleep in the morning. In the morning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I find it kind of soothing to wake up and it's still dark. It's like, oh, nothing. No, I don't. I don't like that. I just, I don't know. Why? Just leave the clocks alone. Just leave them alone. <laughs> leave the clocks alone. Why? <laughs> just leave them alone. <laughs> Yeah, we've got an episode. Okay, so where are we going to go from here? What do you mean? Well, I mean, oh, I'm assuming we're doing another episode. Yeah, we, yeah, we're yeah. going to do a synopses of... Oh, I don't, I don't Extravaganza hour. Dog barking in the bachelor party is a good idea. Is this going to be a family show? What, what kind of party is this? <laughs> why is there a dog barking in the cage? If this was the family show, why did we invite Kevin Eastman? Because <laughs> oh, I, I have the best cosplay outfit, so it's um. It's true. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I'm wearing right now. It's not a yellow jump. It's not a yellow jumpsuit. All right, it is a yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> I secretly want to be... Wait, 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 wait. Is, no. is Fred Wolf okay with that? I I have to pay him a royalty. It's a, it's a fee. Every time I put on the yellow jokes, I have to... But it's worth um, it. <laughs> I have to wire Fred Wolf some money. I, I think that's why he asked for it. 